Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 7.06. Coming up between 7.30 and 8, Morley Scott, Jason Moss, the Eskimos coaches show. The Eskimos are the only undefeated team in the CFL. This portion of the show brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee, actionfurnace.ca. Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oilers, is in studio. We're going to get to a call for Jack in a second. Here's a question, though, from Mike. Other than Talbot and the first line, which Oiler player surprised or impressed Jack the most, I think, from this past season? Biggest surprise... I mean, I guess he's saying other than the first line because, so I guess that excludes Maroon. Yeah, I'm going to exclude Maroon. Uh, I got to be honest with you, on the balance of the season, coming from where he was in the preseason to where he finished in the playoffs, I would say Matt Benning. Yeah, I think... I mean, I I didn't starting like, in Penticton. I didn't like Matt Benning for a while. Really, like, it took me a while to warm up to him. No, uh, and he really, he really, uh, you know, came alive. And I mean, I, I always liked him as a person, but I did not. You meant I, as being able to play. Yeah, exactly. Five, I didn't think he, I didn't think he'd be able to play in the NHL right away. I thought he would need. 40 to 45 games in the American Hockey League, which goes to show you what I know. I mean, he he really impressed me just with his presence as a rookie and his confidence to lay the body on guys. And it started very early in the year with a mammoth hit on Kyle Clifford. And there were only a few games during the course of the year where I thought, well, he might be... He might be a guy that needs to come out of the lineup. He really didn't have that many dips in his game. I, I was really impressed with Matt Benning. And really I think, impressed. Uh, and I think he's very happy to see Chris Russell back because I think there's a pretty good bond there and some nice mentorship going on. So that's pretty cool as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Jamie on the Opie line. Jamie, you're on with Jack and Reed. Hey, guys. How are you doing this evening? Good, Jamie. What's going on? Well, I'm uh, just calling from Calgary right now on Deerfoot, and I was listening to your show. I always like to enjoy listening to you read. Uh, fantastic show. Uh, always has been. So. Thank you. Enough but, about uh, Reed. What about me, Jamie? <laughs> well, Jack, you know, you, you got a, you got some pretty big boots to fill, but I think you've been doing an amazing job. Uh, you know, Rod Phillips, I've listened to him since I was five years old, and that's going on 30, 35 years now. And, uh, you know, there's very few broadcasters that actually bring the emotion that uh, Rod Phillips has done to hockey over the air, and I think you've done an amazing job uh, filling his shoes. So, 
Well, I really appreciate that. And uh, in case you hadn't heard it before, I had a chance to work with Rod the first year, and you're – you being impressed with him as a broadcaster, I can tell you'd be equally impressed with him as a person. He was a great guy to get to know, and I'm glad I had a year to, you know, I only worked with him 10 games, but he was a pleasure to be around. Yeah, and, you know, I, I wanted to ask you guys' his opinion. What do you guys think of the uh, Strom for Everly trade? I thought that was an interesting trade. I really liked it. Like, I liked the Paul Dorishan trade. I think one of the few people that liked that when it originally came up. I called you last year and said the same thing. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Well, look, I I think there's always a level of risk in any in any trade. I said that with Hall for Larson, and the risk with Eberle for Strom is that is that Strom comes in and you know maybe winds up with you know thirty to thirty five points and and kind of struggles to find a position or the slot on the team, and Eberle goes to New York and and gets sixty. So I I think that's definitely the risk. I, I think the upside to it and I and I said this before the trade happened is that I really think despite what he can do as a player Jordan Eberle had become someone who I think fans and some members of the media maybe me included had started to focus more on what he couldn't do as opposed to what he could and it's tough for a player in a hockey mad market or whatever the dominant sport is in that city to, to win the, the favor of, of, of people back. Uh, it, it's curious. It's going to be interesting to see who fills that role. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily sit here and think, well, I like trades or don't like trades because I got to evaluate them. There's definitely a high measure of risk involved in that trade, maybe even more so than the Hall for Larson deal especially now that we have hindsight to look back on that. Well, the other difference, Jamie, I would say I'd take a different tack than Reed did. I, I don't. I think the haul for Larson was a pure hockey trade. I don't think the Eberle for Strom was a pure well, hockey trade at all. that's a very good point. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I mean, there was some component of, of a, a hockey trade there, but it had a great deal to do with clearing some cap space to the point of, what, $3 million. I mean, some, somewhere along those lines. And when you've got contracts like Connor McDavid's and Leon Drysaddle's to secure in the future, then it's a trade that almost becomes one of necessity rather than need. And, that's, and what's interesting, Jack and Jamie, is already the speculation has has started I, I i did a hit with uh, brian blessing and dana lane on their hockey hotline show in vegas last week and one of their first questions was so this means nugent hopkins gets traded next summer right and i was like whoa let's let's hold the phone and see how everybody else else plays but yeah in a cap world those are the types of questions we're going to get i believe we have nadim calling or nadim are you calling from buffalo i am calling from buffalo new york yes well thank you for listening what's on your mind well, first time, long time. Uh, I read, I do enjoy listening to you, and I've been an Oilers fan since I was seven years old. Uh, I'm giving away my age here. I'm 43 years old, so I've lived through the dynasty era, the dark years, and the McDavid era. But um, you guys do an amazing job, and oil country reps strong out here in Buffalo, New York. Um, my, com- my, my comment actually is for Jack. Um, Jack, it's a pleasure always to listen to you on the radio. Um, before the age of the internet and uh, streaming through cellular phones, I couldn't listen to Rob Rod Phillips, and I know he did an amazing job. But you, you were—I grew up with uh, the Rick Jenneret era and Mike Lang from Pittsburgh. But 
Yeah, you went to games in the odd then. My first hockey game was at the odd. Nadim, you know that I grew up two hours from Buffalo, right? I do. I yeah, do. my parents um, my parents uh, got, I mean, for lack of a better word, got together in Buffalo. They lived in West Seneca from 1969 through 1972. Oh, I came, when we, my family and I moved from Toronto, we grew up in uh, Amherst. All right, there we go. See, we've got some... But, uh, I think my parents grew up, my parents not grew up, but my parents uh, at that time, the famous, the most famous uh, resident of West Seneca, and I'm not making this up, is O.J. Simpson. They lived in the same neighborhood. When he was playing. He was in the same movie line uh, to see The Godfather as they were. Wow. 1972. I'm I'm not making this up. I couldn't that's possibly incredible. make it up, but that's that's a fact. Anyways, go ahead, Nadim. No, 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 you I gotta give a shout out to my uh, my boss at work. He lets me uh, listen to the games on uh, on the radio, and it's almost like when I hear your voice, it's just an attack and energy. It's almost like I'm at the game. I mean, I feel it. I can feel the energy. It's just an amazing, amazing job. And I will say that uh, this Oilers game makes it a lot more exciting. Uh, not taking away from the team itself. Well, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Nadim, you're starting to fade out us in a little bit. Thanks so much for listening. We'll cut you loose only because of the sound yeah, quality just, starting Nadim, to drop we're off just there. Losing, we're just losing the connection But a thanks bit. again. But, yeah, we definitely heard what you said about the uh, the energy uh, Jack brings, and that's that's true. He tends to bring that energy to all aspects. I was going to say, Dude, sometimes it's more welcome than others. I don't think Reed well, loves it when he's in a certain mood there, getting well, there to the ring. There are times where I'm just like, why are you talking to me about this? Yes. I'm a little overwhelming. I could be a little much. Yeah, because I'm very, I'm very subdued and understated. You are absolutely, yes, hundred percent. There's you a are... subtlety to my existence. <laughs> I, w- I would say that's absolutely true. There's also, yes, you bring a unique. I, I think you have what could be accurately characterized as a unique lifestyle in the sports broadcasting world. Wouldn't you say that? You're I, you're I one of a I kind. I would say you're one of a kind. Well, I don't I don't, I don't think about it that way. I just do uh, I just do my own thing. If that's right. If that's only well, that, you're, you're just articulating <laughs> what I just but said. It doesn't mean other people don't have the same thing. But what I'm saying is do it on purpose. Right. But what I'm saying is you are not easily pigeonholed. You're not part of a group. You are oh, one, I see what you you're are saying. one like there's not there's not a, like a lot of guys that remind not, me of Reed Wilkins. I'm not like the Borg. I'm more like uh, Spock. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I'm see the fact that you went Star Trek on me is a perfect illustration of what I'm talking. All right. About. Speaking of something you apparently now have a strong opinion on. Yeah, I'm not too happy. So Friday night. Yeah. The thirty-six thousand fans in the Eskimos me. game. Yeah. By the way, two thirty tomorrow. I'm going to be there. The Eskimos will announce the fifty-fifty winner, four hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. Uh, almost 436. Uh, I'm going to be there. So we had 36,000 fans. And at Rogers Place, there was, I, I guess, on the, a 90s-themed concert with, uh, well, I guess Matchbox was popular into the turn of the century. Matchbox 20 and Counting Crows right. was uh, the feature at Rogers exactly. Place. And here's my point about that. I think you've heard me comment when it comes to hair metal that I think in... As a man, I think 
that there's a difference between being, say, a Guns N' Roses fan and a Poison fan. I mean, for me, for me, Poison is should be a female-centric listening audience, in my my point of view, my estimation. I would feel less uh, comfortable, you know, wearing or, or going hard after, you know, for lack of a better word, I, I think Poison was uh, a girly-ish hair metal band in the 80s. I, I like the harder stuff, the, the Guns N' Roses, that kind of thing. Def Leppard is right smack in the middle. As you know, I like it. You and I are one and the same. We like our Def Leppard. I don't like it as much as you do. But, no. <laughs> but I'm I'm more of a Guns N' Roses I, I've guy. heard people say that to me a lot. I don't like Def Leppard as much as you do. Now, now anyway. here's where I'm going with this. When I was in university, I would say that the bulk of Matchbox 20 and Counting Crows fans tended to be on the female side of things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just think if you're a hardcore Eskimos fan and you're a male and you're going to Matchbox 20 and Counting Crows, it better be because of date night. That's just my opinion. And I'm willing to sit here and say that. I I believe that Matchbox 20 and Counting Crows is, you know, I, I think it plays to a female audience. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Well, the point of being a band is to connect with as many people yes, as possible. Yes, I know. So if you could get every woman on earth to listen to you, you'd be right. a pretty successful. They're doing band. a good job. They're doing a good job. No question about it. But if you're an Eskimos fan... I take issue with you making the other choice, unless there's something driving force. Like, for instance, I, many moons ago, elected to miss an NFL playoff game and attend a viewing when Love Actually came into the theaters with my... Was she my wife at the time? Yes, she was my wife. All right. So that, there's a, there was a reason behind it. Sure. But ordinarily, <laughs> I would be subject to ridicule from my male friends for electing to pass on an NFL playoff game to attend a rom-com. So I consider Counting Crows, Matchbox 20, the, a rom-com equivalent in the music profession. I take it you disagree with this totally, Reed. Uh, no, That's okay. I just, no, I just, disagree I just with it. Really I want have, you to I, I disagree. I know you do. I just don't have that strong an opinion on it. Really? So, I mean, you're an Eskimos guy. Yeah, I wouldn't have missed the Eskimos game. No, right. yeah, see, was... see the tone you just used? You you actually did snicker. I, was never, I wouldn't have a, missed I was never, okay, if it was Leopard and Eskimos on the same night, I probably would have gone to Leopard and... That's different, though. Def Leopard, in my opinion, has a 50-50 male-female audience. Uh, This texter says, Matchbox 20 was fantastic. Counting Crows gave no effort and let me down. And one of my best friends, Courtney Terrio, who is on city television... You snickered a little bit when you said, well, I certainly wouldn't miss the Eskimos. Right. (laughs) He he went to the... Did you give him a shot? He has Eskimo season's tickets because he lives in Edmonton, but he's actually a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. Oh, really? Oh, I think I knew that. If it were Riders Eskimos, he probably would have gone to watch the Riders See, I sat with Courtney jersey, Even though Durant's not on the team anymore. So he's going... He's an Eskimos season seat holder to catch, first of all, the three Rough Rider games. Or to the two. Yeah. And then he's also just following the CFL through it. But in a perfect world, Courtney's watching 18 Saskatchewan games. Right. We got Brian on the open line. Hello, Brian. Hello. 
Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be a bit of a dissenting opinion on Jack. Uh-oh. I admire the enthusiasm and the passion with which you uh, broadcast the games, Jack. But um, I I want you to tell me, like Rod Phillips did, where's the puck? What's going on in the game? Not I've, I've counted uh, up to 33 pieces of useless, irrelevant trivia about different players and their dog walkers, cousins, veterinarian going to school with somebody else's aunt, and I don't know where the puck is. In this show or or during the games? Because I've, I've also passed along a lot of uh, irrelevant information in this show. So if nothing else, Brian, I've, I think I've established some consistency there. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'm nothing if not consistent. Leave the irrelevant trivia to Stoffer and tell me where the puck is. All right, now, right. now, just remind me what was the score? Was was the, what was the? Thanks, Brian. Was it Edmonton, Anaheim in the playoffs? Is that what it was? Okay, I just yeah. Second round remember. was Edmonton. Oh, okay, Anaheim. thank you. All right, yeah. Seven twenty-two. We got to take a quick timeout. It's inside sports on Descent is good. Yeah, Descent's fine. Brian, it's what a, makes North America a tremendous. It's a good call. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. So we'll get the lowdown on the Eskimos on a short week, preparing for Hamilton on Thursday. Maybe an update on what they might do at the Will linebacker position. Injuries perhaps striking there again. Greenwood out for the season. Konar shaken up against Ottawa on Friday. Does Blair Smith have to take over? Jason Moss in studio with Morley Scott. I'm in studio with Jack Michaels and Morley Scott. Jack, we were talking about music. What do you think of Billy Joel? Easy. I'm... I would say I'm not a fan, but I'm not... He's all right. He's all right in small doses. You know what? I went to see Elton John in concert in Anchorage, Alaska, about seven or eight years ago. He cranked out 23, 24 songs. I'm not the biggest Elton John fan, but it was a good concert. And I've been told that's what Billy Joel gives you. Even if you're not a huge fan of all of his music, he pumps out a good concert. You know who else is like that? And I I know fewer people who dislike the boss's music, but Bruce Springsteen is another guy. The boss, Elton John, Billy Joel, these are guys who for years have been pumping out two and a half hours worth of concert. Boss is more like 315. Uh, so whether or not you're the biggest fan of theirs, you've got to give respect for well, the volume and, and that's the what way a lot they crank said it about up. Garth Brooks after he does and nine shows, including two a day on some occasions. I, I went, he just entertains. Yeah. Last last May, a year ago in May, we drove to Seattle to watch Billy Joel at yeah. the ballpark there, and he did uh, almost three hours. Yeah, I and mean it's and then you think about it, he's like 67 years of age, yeah. and he's got all that energy, and he just and goes, he's still willing to do it. Goes, and Elton John's the same thing, you know. Uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen, same thing. May I weigh in on something I heard driving here? Yes. Oh, I mean, since Morley's here. When Blake was on? Well, I think it's a little dangerous to go ahead and say that Ottawa's a good football team. They're now 0-3-1. They found ways to not win all four of their games. And I think much as was the case, I think it was Saskatchewan last year, everyone was saying, oh, they're 1-7 or whatever they were, and they've only lost, you know, they've lost seven games by a total of 20. The point is, is once you start losing, it becomes harder and harder for me to say, oh, you're still a good football team. The fact of the matter is, is they're in trouble. 
and they better figure it out in a big way because that mentality is is starting to creep in. I think Ottawa is going to have a hard time recovering from I, this I start. I actually do, and, and, and I mean, and I think you make a good point, Jack. It two thirds of the teams make the playoffs in the CFL, but you can already say a quarter of the way into the season they are in they are in trouble and they're their confidence the trust me their confidence is ebbing they're not the same team who won the great cup they're now a team that's found ways to get off to an 03 and one start you could say whatever you want oh they could be this they could be that they're not the fact of the matter is is they're not we're a month into the season and i think their confidence has taken a huge blow and they got two games in 11 days or three games in 11 days. They play again on Wednesday, then they play again on Monday. Uh, so it, And feel free to disagree with snow, me. But no, I, no, no, no. It's I'm, no, not, it's sure all, I'm not sure all is well in Ottawa. No, and I, and, yeah, and I'm not you. sure it's a matter of time before as, they take over the East. As the man who will be in here in a couple of minutes' time on the Eskimos yeah. Coaches Show said last week when we talked about the fact they've lost games by, you know, five points or whatever it was, said objects to win. Right. Naming a game is winning. Doesn't matter how many points, right? And Edmonton is kind of on the flip side of that. As they Everyone wants to take a little yeah. How many close games did Edmonton win in twenty fifteen? Yeah. They don't right. they don't say, well it's not a full great cup because there's so yeah, many yeah, games for exactly. close. Yeah. yeah. You win or you lose. That's how it works. Jack, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Great to see Appreciate you. having me on. More nice to see you Jack. Jason yeah. Moss is standing by. He's yeah. in uh he's Yeah let me get Moore. out of here. You got more important things to talk about than deal with me. So we'll have the Eskimos uh, update tomorrow Eskimos announced the 50-50 winner at 2.30. We'll have it uh, all the latest for you on 6.30 chat. I'll be joined in studio by WBC and WBA boxing champion Jelena Mergenovich, who is back from France. Now, when are you going to invite me the same night? Probably never. You know I love chatting with her. Well, you can listen to the show and call in. Like, you know I'll like be listening. Of, like, I always your, do. Like some of your admirers no. and detractors I'm not, called in to talk I'm to I'm not calling in to hone in on her parade, but I will be listening tomorrow, and I'll be listening to Morley's conversation with Mr. Moss on my way home. My name is Reed Wilkins, Patrick Bauer, the studio producer, Dave Campbell, the producer. Thanks for tuning in to Inside Sports.